You are listening to the voice of freedom, Lee Elsie on 94.9 News Now and stimulating talk. All right, here we go. 33 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock. I have to take a deep breath because I have to get through this intro, which is, well, amazing. Bill O'Reilly's unmatched broadcast and publishing success is second to none. The O'Reilly Factor, the highest rated cable news broadcast in the nation for 16 consecutive years. His website, BillOReilly.com. Is followed by millions. No Spin News is broadcast weeknights 8 o'clock to 11 on the first TV. Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, the O'Reilly Update heard weekdays on more than 225 radio stations across the country. He has authored an astonishing 15 number one ranked nonfiction books. The Killing Series books are the best-selling nonfiction series of all time. And his latest book... Killing the Mob is out right now, the fight against organized crime in America. Mr. Bill O'Reilly, good morning. Thank you, sir. How are you? Very good, Lee. That was a great intro. And Thank you very much. And that's the end of the inter- interview. Thank you. Good night. Okay. <laughs> no, it's pretty exhausting. <laughs> no, well, listen, nobody has, or very few people have done what you've done. So uh, kudos to all of that. Listen, I got to start out with this. This book is awesome. So uh, Americans have this romantic connection with the mob Godfather, Sopranos, Donnie Brasco, Goodfellas. Why are we uh, enamored with a Costa Nostra? Why? Why? I mean, these are bad guys. Evil. Evil guys. Way beyond bad. Um, the media in the movies and TV, very powerful. Um, I was watching a movie called American Gangster the other day about a Harlem heroin dealer. You know, the worst human being you could imagine. Well, who's the star? Denzel Washington. Mm. Fantastic actor. Very charismatic. So even though you know the guy is bad, Denzel is so good that you can empathize with him. And that's what we all have in our minds. And the other thing is that the truth about organized crime has never really been told. Um, you know, we hear the names Al Capone and uh, John Gotti and all these people, but we don't really know exactly what they did or who they are. And that's what Killing the Mob is all about. We take you from. The bank robbers in the Depression, 1930s, Bonnie and Clyde, John Dillinger, Babyface Nelson, all the way up to the present day. And we we just absolutely go right into, here's the person, here's what the person is doing, and then what happens to the person. So there's lots of good stories. Uh, I think it'll keep you up nights if you read Killing the Mob. So you name all the names, but drugs, murder, violence... I mean, is the mob the single most destructive force in American history? That's an interesting question. I, th- I think the answer is yes, because it's ongoing. So today in America, organized crime controls narcotics, right. the distribution of narcotics. And that leads to hundreds of thousands of deaths and enslavement for millions of people, child abuse, and you name it. Um, it all stems from drugs. But unlike uh, years ago, the French Connection uh, period, the mob doesn't even see the dope now. comes in from Mexico, the cartels down there ship it in, and then it's distributed by people to every city in the country, every area in the country. And the mob oversees that in various areas, like New York, got five families still to this day, and they control who sells on the streets. And the street gangs that sell the drugs, they pay for the privilege of doing that to organize crime. So every month, there's a big suitcase full of money. This is a billion-dollar industry. Right. 
So it's an ongoing situation that gets very, very, uh, you know, little publicity. And I, I really don't know why that is, because it's there. I mean, are they working with these street gangs? Is it these Italian mobs working with MS-13 and these groups? They no, can't no. be. No. It's not MS-13. They're just punks. Right. All right. That's shakedown artists. They come in. They terrorize minority communities. They have nothing to do with organized crime. Organized crime basically divides up um, cities like New York. And if you want to sell heroin on the Upper West Side, um, you know, Washington Heights, way up there, uh, that's mostly Dominican gangs, okay? And the Dominican gangs get the dope, ship to it, and then they pay the mafia, gotcha. if you want to use that word or whatever, um, for the right to do that. But in the process, the Dominican gangs are shooting each other. They're trying to get more turf. There's a lot of disrespect, revenge, payback. That's what drives the murder rate in Chicago, New York, and the other big cities. But meantime, the mafia guys are living out in Westchester or the Hamptons. I mean, they don't even see it, but they control it. And if you go against them, then you're not going to live very long. So you shut down the drugs, then you shut down 50 people getting shot in Chicago on a weekend, right? You, you shut down the narcotics industry in this country, um, you solve a lot of social problems. Homelessness. Yeah. It's estimated that 75% of people living on the street are addicted to substance. And then, you know, the left go, oh, rehab, rehab. You know, let me break this to you. A lot of those people don't want rehab. Right. Rehab's tough for motivated people, tough people who want to kick it. And you don't want to? Forget it. So... The only way to control it is punitive measures, and the United States just won't do that. Bill O'Reilly's with us this morning, a very special guest, his latest book, Killing the Mob, the Fight Against Organized Crime in America. Let's get to a couple of items in the book. So how, how did the mafia actually begin? What are the reasons behind the origins of organized crime in the 1930s? Well, in America, it came from Italy um, for centuries. Uh, the island of Sicily is controlled by organized criminals. And in World War II, the USA had to invade Sicily in order to get uh, into Europe, and uh, the mob helped right. uh, Patton come over from North Africa. And um, in return, President Roosevelt made a deal whereby after the war, uh, the United States would allow some Sicilian gentlemen <laughs> to enter the USA. So who, that, That's how it started big time. How, who came to who in that? Because I thought that was fascinating. So Patton was helped by the mafia. Was it the mafia who requested the sit-down, or was it no, Patton? No. no, it was the U.S. government, and they came through Lucky Luciano, the first godfather. So Luciano was in prison. He's, he's an Italian, obviously. Right. Um, he's in prison. They finally put him in there for uh, a state beef. The New York State got him. And Luciano controlled the docks um, through the unions in, in New York. And that's where all the troops left to, to fight the Germans from New York. And the deal was that um, the mob would um, be on the side of the USA, would shut down any German spies or saboteurs. And we write all about this in Killing the Mob. It was an informal deal. But it got formalized. Um, when the USA had to invade Sicily, and we didn't know what to do because we didn't have any maps, we didn't know where to go, and you know the Germans were entrenched. So that's when the deal was made. It, came, it was made through Lucky Luciano. All right. So speaking of Luciano, didn't he and Bugsy help build? They, those guys built Vegas, right? Yeah. Well, we have a, one of the best scenes in Killing the Mob is a 1958 meeting in Havana 
where Luciano was. Luciano got deported after World War II. All right, that was the deal. We'll let you out of prison, but you can't stay here. Right. Went to Italy, and then he didn't like it. He didn't want to be there, and he went to Cuba when the mob controlled Cuba. All right, they bought Batista, the dictator, and they did what they wanted there. So Luciano calls all the organized criminals. This is the linchpin of killing the mob. Everybody shows up in Havana. All right, right. Vito Genovese, Giancana, everybody's there. And there were two agendas. One, Las Vegas. All right. The mob wanted to build this gambling mecca there and control it. And the guy assigned to do that was named Bugsy Siegel. The money behind that was Meyer Lansky. They were Jewish gangsters, but they had an association with the Italian gangsters. The second agenda was narcotics. Before 1958, the mob did not do that because it knew if it got into that business, and this is a scene in The Godfather, a very famous scene, right? right, that the federal government will come after them. All right. But Vito Genovese, one of the most evil human beings ever to walk this country, all right, he forced it. And the mob said, okay, we're going to go into heroin. Those things happened in 1958 in Havana. And that was a turning point of organized crime. So you mentioned this giant meeting. Let me ask you, who's, in your mind, who's the most influential mobster of all time? Would have to be Lucky Luciano. Uh, He and Vito Genovese had a fist fight. I mean, we put (laughs) you right in that meeting. Right. They actually had a fist fight. Um, because they hated each other. And there's always been that rivalry, which is what The Godfather was all about, the movie and the book, all right? And, and, but Luciano was the first one, basically, to get so much power in the unions, all right, that the federal government had to deal with him. Right. And so he would be the guy. Speaking of unions, is Jimmy Hoffa buried in Giant Stadium's end zone? Jimmy Hoffa isn't buried anywhere. <laughs> um, we take you step-by-step step through his assassination yeah. um, north of Detroit by the mob. Mob killed him. And I don't think you'll, you'll read a better description of what happened to Jimmy Coffa, but after he was assassinated, whacked, as they say, yeah. all right, they chopped him up. Really? Is this the first time this has ever been in a book? Because uh, this is a fascinating story. I don't know. Um, Martin Dugard and I do our research independently of other books. Right. We don't read other books. We don't do that. We get it from law enforcement, from letters, from family members. The Hoffa thing we got from family members. Right. Um, so I can't tell you whether anybody else has ever, but I can tell you that nobody has done it as vividly as we do it. You will know exactly why Hoffa got killed, when he got killed, how he got killed. The Killing Series has so many great books, everyone. I mean, you can run out and grab one today. When you read these books, you almost get, it's like a history lesson. <laughs> you don't have to go back to high school to get it. And the latest one here by Bill O'Reilly is Killing the Mob, and it's, it's fantastic. If you, if you permit me a couple more questions, because I, sure. I think there's some interesting stuff that our listeners would like to hear about. So The Phantom Punch from Cassius Clay. Tell me about that, because you say the mob was behind that, right? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um... So the most famous sporting event in the 1960s was the heavyweight championship fight between Sonny Liston, who was the champ, and the upcoming Olympic hero, Cassius Clay. Sonny Liston was a 7-1 favorite, and in my killing books, we don't use anonymous sources. Every name is there. He was run by organized crime out of St. Louis, Okay. And we name the names, we tell you what they did. So Sonny shows up in Miami to fight Clay. 
He's a 7-1 favorite. The last minute, members of organized crime put millions of dollars on Clay right. at 7-1. Now, they waited for the last minute because they didn't want anybody, you know, the odds to go down. Sure. Okay? So what happens? Listen doesn't answer the bell for the fifth round. Right. Now, there was a fight, but everybody's stunned. And we got access to Sonny Liston's brother. And that's how we know about the phone call that was made to Liston after that fight where his mother, and his brother was on the line too, said, Sonny, what happened? And Sonny said, quote, I did what they told me to do. Hmm. Now, a lot of people were very suspect about that fight because it just didn't look like there was enough damage on Liston to have him not answer the bell. So there was a rematch, and the rematch was supposed to take place in Boston Garden. But the Massachusetts Boxing Commission would not license the fight. Now, that tells you something. Right. All right, this is a huge moneymaker. But in Massachusetts, they go, you're not fighting here. <laughs> so they had to go up to Lewiston, Maine in a college hockey rink. <laughs> 2,000 people. Boston Garden, 17,000 to 2,000. Does that tell you something? Okay, so it's pay-per-view, so they're making their money on it. Right. But listing goes down in the first round. <laughs> and Clay walks back to his corner and looks at his corner man, Drew Bundini-Brown, and says, did I hit him? Right. So anyway. Was he run out of the original was St. Louis? Why? Because he was a drug addict or gambling? Nobody really knows why Sonny Liston took the dive. I mean, we couldn't narrow that down to a specific reason. Okay. He's a Missouri guy. That's his home. Right. And he had a long criminal record, and he hung out with unsavory types. And then after the second fight, he moves to Vegas. Does that tell you something? <laughs> Where he winds up dead. Right. Yeah, you so, get we're, pretty, we're 100% confident that what you, how we describe that is true. Yeah. And here's a kicker on it. Clay, who then changed his name to Ali, didn't know. He had no idea right. that this was going on. Right. He was not in on it. But Liston died of, uh, they say drug overdose, but you're saying he died, he, you think he got murdered, right? Well, I, I mean, look, I don't speculate in any of my books, Lee. Yeah, It's all fact-driven. The fact is that he had one um, arm abrasion. If you're a drug addict, right, you right, have right. lots of them. Right. He had one. Gotcha. And nobody had ever seen him, including his wife, <clears throat> take hard drugs. So you make the call. All right. I got to ask you about two more uh, big-time superstars and their connection to the mob. I, I know you're busy. I know, I know you got to go. But uh, how intertwined was Sinatra with the mob, and does Elvis play anything into the mob? Okay, so uh, let's do uh, Sinatra first. <clears throat> Sinatra was tied to a contract in, to a band leader. <clears throat> he wanted to get out of it. And the band leader wouldn't let him out. And the mob came in and said, you're going to let him out. And that was the beginning of Sinatra's association with organized crime. Sinatra wanted to be a mobster. He loved it. All right? He loved it, and they ran him. He did concerts for them. They did favors for him. He fronted a hotel in Lake Tahoe for the mob, up to his eyebrows. Elvis, he didn't have any direct association with the mob. However, the young rock and roll industry was controlled by organized crime. If you wanted your record, 
played in a big city radio station, you had to go through the mob. And the mob would pay off the DJs. That's called payola. Right. It was a huge federal scandal. All right. And they controlled all the nightclubs where the singers would perform. We have uh, testimony from Tommy James and the Shondells. Remember them? Yeah, sure. They took almost all their money. Bobby Rydell, he was a teen idol along with Frankie Avalon and Fabian. His literal godfather was Angelo Bruno, the godfather of Philadelphia. So all of that was tied in. The mob controlled the record industry, the concert industry, and the film industry. What's left of the mob? Well, they control narcotics, billion-dollar industry. And, you know, they're in every major town. They don't do as much gambling as they used to because that's all legal now, and the vice is not what it was. So they're not real interested in that or extortion. They want the drug money. They have an arrangement with the Mexican cartels, um, and that's where they make their money. But they're all businessmen now. It's corporate now. They have lots of legitimate businesses, lots of hotels. They're still in the unions. You know, when I wrote The United States of Trump, the history book on Donald Trump, there's a chapter in there, and Trump had a deal with the concrete union in New York if he wanted to get his buildings put up. Are they out of Vegas completely now? No. No, they're still in Vegas. But they own it legitimately. Yeah. All right, through you know, sub-companies and things like that. But no, Vegas is a big revenue generator. It's amazing how much the story of the mafia really parallels the actual Godfather story. Some of the things that even you'd mentioned here today, or you know, those stories are tapped into each other. It's pretty amazing. really is. Yeah, Puzo, who wrote the book and wrote the screenplay for the movie, the first one, um, he really knew what he was doing. I mean, he knew these guys, and, and that... That is a very, very, even though it's a novel, right. it's accurate. But it's not as exciting as Killing the Mob. No, it, not even close. Not even close. I mean, we do the big picture. <laughs> we do soup to nuts here. When right. you read that book, you'll know what's going on. Listen, Bill O'Reilly, he's got uh, 16 number one bestsellers. The Killing series is just phenomenal. I'm actually going to give one of these away. Bill, I can't thank you enough. It's always an honor and a pleasure to spend some time with you. Hopefully you can do it again soon. Sure, Lee. Thanks for having me in. Stay strong. Have a good one, brother. I appreciate it.